Hello, I'm Ben Eagle, a podcaster, journalist, and rural communications consultant, and welcome to Rural Business Focus. This is the podcast for rural businesses and those looking to start a business in the countryside. Episodes are released each Tuesday to inspire and support you to be your very best, both personally and for your business. Please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening, and if you think this episode will help someone you know, forward it on to them. It's the only way the show grows by you sharing it. So thank you for that. But now, Let's start today's show. Hello, everyone. I hope you've all had a good start to the week so far. And uh, welcome to episode 13 of Rural Business Focus. Today is all about promoting your brand on a budget. And I am really pleased with this in mind to be joined again by PR marketing and social media guru, as well as two-time TEDx speaker, Rhea Freeman, uh, who is here to tell us about her new book, which came out a matter of weeks ago, uh, the book is called Small and Supercharged, Small Steps to Supercharge Your Brand on a Budget. So perfect for today's episode. Um, and it does exactly that. It's a very easy read. I went cover to cover within a couple of days. Um, it was super, it was, if, if you listen, particularly if you listen to Ria's uh, podcast, it is honestly as if you're just listening to her voice. It comes across strongly and there's a huge amount in this. We'll cover a lot today. So it's it's written in the style that feels like Rhea. It, it's almost like, I suppose, giving a personal masterclass, whether you're just starting out with your business or whether you're looking for some tips to move your marketing forward for your brand in a way that won't break the bank. Um, so if uh, if you're looking for that, as I'm sure we all are in our own ways, please do give this book a read. Rhea, welcome back to the podcast. What um, an intro. And you know, we're we're number 13, which is unlucky for some, but not is. me with that intro. I'm well, very grateful. Thank uh, you so much for your kind words about the book. We're never we're never unlucky with you on the show, Rhea. It's uh, it, it's brilliant to have you on. Uh, as a, how's your week going? Um busy because I've I've got two six-year-olds and um they're twin boys, so they are they are full of full of the fun and full of the joy. And I'm really pleased they're back at school. So busy. <laughs> busy um but you know all good all good fun let's dive straight into the book so you've got the small and supercharged facebook group you've got the small and supercharged podcast so i suppose that the small and supercharged book was only a matter of time uh, but why did you want to write it i've always wanted to write a book for as long as i can remember and it actually took me quite a while to get to the name which is ridiculous when you think about how obvious it is really um but I've always wanted to write a book and obviously I do quite a lot of teaching via the podcast at my membership and one-to-one I, I basically teach quite a broad range of subjects I'm, I'm known quite well for the sort of social media and the PR side but I do also teach other aspects of digital market marketing yeah. um, and I understand the importance of of a lot you know like the SEO but also traditional PR the, the value of public speaking and I just thought is if there was a way to kind of bring that all together in one thing and I obviously thought about courses and I've got a couple of courses and I've got some others in the pipeline but I love a book I love to sit down 
and read a book in the evenings because television is rubbish <laughs> and I like to broaden my mind and I really do like reading and I really like the kind of book that I've written you know I don't tend to, I tend to go for non-fiction and I just thought well why not? I, I enjoy writing. It's how I got into the PR side of what I do is through writing. And yeah, just just cracked on with it, really. Going back quite a bit, um, and this and this goes back beyond the podcast, it goes back to sort of where did where did Small and Supercharged come from as a brand? Because it has been built as, as really a brand now. Again, it was one of these things that I was sort of just brainstorming and trying to work out what on earth to call this group full of small businesses. And I was thinking along the lines of um, Purcell's branding is kind of small and mighty, isn't it? Which I thought was great, but obviously Purcell's. (laughs) Um, And it was just really evolved from that. And I do love a bit of alliteration. So the two S's worked for me. And it it does, you know, my whole group is very much um, small businesses, small brands, and obviously, small businesses can actually be fairly significant in terms of, you know, in terms of size of turnover and number of people and also influencers, small and large. And it was all to do with these real individuals and the kind of power that they had to influence what they were doing and to make a real difference. So the book itself, who are you targeting um, and who do you think would benefit from reading it? I think any small business, and I know that's a big, broad subject. Obviously, there are various kind of course examples woven in there because well, I do quite a lot with the, the equestrian and rural space, but there are plenty of people who I've quoted who aren't in that space as well. So really, anybody looking, anyone with a small business, anyone that wants to amplify their brand, and this could be a personal brand as well. It doesn't yeah. have to be just people with a business. It could be someone who wants to be an influencer or a content creator or wants to be self-employed, or just wants to build a platform to promote something that's important to them. It could even be a cause or a message. But the tips in in the book will definitely help anyone that's got a message to share. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point. Actually, one of the things, as I went through reading the book and I really tried as I do usually when I when I when I read books especially to review it's it's to keep a really objective mindset but again and again I found myself thinking of almost my own brand really as you're going through and all the tips that you that you go through in, in each chapter what I find found really useful is actually going through if you think with your own business in mind mm-hmm. how you relate that um, to okay. the tips that you're giving. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important to do that because, as I mean, I, I do read quite a lot of books and sometimes you get to the end of it and think, that was great, but then you don't do anything with it. But if yeah. you can start to think about how what you read applies to you and how you can action those points, that's really good. how you're going to get the most value out of anything you read, my book or any others, I think, if you can start to think about things you can do and even sort of stop reading, go and do that thing or make a note or, you know, write in the book, stick your post-it notes in, put ideas as you go, use it however you want to get, obviously it's yours, you can do what you like, but I always think you want to get the maximum value out of anything that you purchase. If you do that in different ways, brilliant. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely there to just really support people in in helping them to promote themselves better. Tell me about the process of writing the book um, and how you found it. And I know you, you've, you've released a, you've actually released a podcast on this actually on this process. It was really interesting listening to that sort of uh, going. But 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 for the, for the listeners for this, tell us about the process of writing it. How long it took, and did your ideas develop as you were going on, or did you have a fairly good idea about how you wanted to structure it as you were going through? 
Yeah, well, the, the first bit was quite easy. And I'd say if anyone does want to write a book, the best thing to do to start with is just get big pieces of paper, like A3 paper. And just, I had sort of a bubble thing in the middle. I think it's called, what is it, a mind map or something like that. Yep. And just put all the offshoots down of what you want to cover. And you can put broad topics down, then you can put the little detail underneath if you think you know, I want to do social media. And then you can do Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, TikTok, whatever, and put that down and then put what you want to include in each category. And I found just writing it with pen and paper really useful put as much information as I could and I literally just sat there on the kitchen table one morning and it took me probably an hour hour and a half to plan it out okay but it was great so I just got everything down at that point I didn't think anything was a bad idea but it was great because I sort of emptied all my thoughts onto one piece and then from that you can then refine it into chapters and what you're going to include in each chapter and then you've essentially got this blueprint to work from about what you need to write for each chapter so that bit I didn't find particularly difficult and I really enjoy writing and I knew what I was writing. So the actual writing process, I didn't find that difficult, but then, then it got difficult. Okay. Um, the editing was painful. Um, it probably got, I edited it, did it too many in that. Um, I had my mother-in-law read it. I had my husband read it. I yeah. read it again. I edited it more. And then I just couldn't work out what to, how to get it from this big word document to a book and luckily I've got a very good friend who is called Ruth Chappell who is uh she's now dressage anyway but she used to be involved in publishing and she went oh I know I I I know this process Mm. um she didn't necessarily know the self-publishing route which I went down but she knew every other step and used many words I didn't understand Mm. and thank god she helped me and she um, you help with the formatting and put it into actually a book format. There's some really good um, tools out there. I use one called Pressbooks. And then you have got it formatted like a book. But that side, because I just did not have a clue what I was doing, as in I'd written it and I thought that would be the hard bit. Yeah. And I thought it couldn't be that difficult to translate it from the book to a book. That was wrong. Um, and then luckily, so we got all that sorted And then I'm very lucky that a member of my mastermind group is called Jane Badger, who is Jane Badger Books. And she publishes really lovely horse and pony books, mostly fiction, but a lot of sort of old classics. And she understands the embit of the publishing process. So between the three of us, Mm. it was fine. Um, And obviously, if I did it again, it'd be much, much easier. But I found the last bit of the process, which I thought would have been the quickest, really really hard so time wise I actually revised it before it came out um I think I wrote it towards the start of the pandemic and then life got in the way and also you know I do obviously have my business at the same time and then we had all that homeschooling and (laughs) um just other things that jump in the way so it did very much go on the back burner to the point that I then revised all the stats and just checked everything was right I mean Instagram when I wrote it the first time it was you know IGTV and now it's not so I did have to go through and change all the terminology so yeah it 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 probably took a couple of years from first idea to getting out there but it didn't take two years solid if that makes sense I could have done it much quicker if I'd known what I was doing and there wasn't a global pandemic one of the wonderful things you described just there is one of is is something that you have built um through your network over time through the small and supercharged brand with your contacts because it is quite a broad group and I sort of just want to start going into a little bit more about that now in terms of how you develop that network and how you got there but before that let's go back a bit and 
Tell me more about how you came to specialize in equine and, and country brands in the first place. It's really where my my passion is. Um, I mean, I've got there's as we're recording this, there's two horses just outside the door. Not <laughs> not literally, sort of terrifyingly blowing um, <laughs> hot air at the door. But uh, my office is next to their field shelter, so quite often I'll be on a call, and if someone crashes around in there, you can hear them. <laughs> Um, um, because I actually came to this whole thing because I started off working with horses properly and that led me into writing for uh, magazines when I became an instructor. That then led me through to copywriting for, again, equestrian brands because I really understood the terminology. And like with so many of the things that we all do, if someone says, you know, talks about a horse's ankle, you're going to realise that person might not know anything about horses because we call it a fetlock. And, you know, had the same with with farming and you know, there's all these this terminology that when you speak to someone who speaks the same language, you're already friends. So I was able to use that to really develop my PR business, which then led me on to, to kind of what I do now. So for me, it, it really is a passion. I do understand equestrian incredibly well and I understand the countryside very well. So for me, that it was kind of the obvious choice. And whilst I do, I can and do talk to, to people and, and speak about broader sort of social media and and the broader PR and broader digital marketing as per the book if I'm ever going to do one-to-one coaching or group coaching it's going to be for the equestrian or rural space because I can just relate to their businesses a lot more I understand the the media landscape I can think of individuals that they can connect with to make it work better and I I like it you know I, I love horses and I love the countryside so it does seem like a really good fit and and why smaller brands and smaller budgets? Because again, with your skill set and your background, there are numerous uh, sort of larger clients that you could have focused on. But you've gone down the smaller line. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, I have worked with with some pretty significant companies in the past, and it's not something I would rule out again. You know, I do I do work with some much bigger sort of small businesses because I say that range is quite. Mm. Yeah. is quite broad absolutely but I do also work with quite a lot of sole traders um I think really for me it's although it is small businesses I largely serve it's almost kind of the way I serve them so for me it's all about how you can get the maximum out of your budget so if you have got a budget of a hundred pounds or a budget of a hundred thousand pounds I will still look at how we can do things in the most cost-effective manner I have been in charge of very large budgets before and I didn't really enjoy it. I don't like spending that amount of money in things. And I'm always thinking, could I do this better? What could I do with this money if I used it in a different way? Yeah. Or would I have to use all this money if I did something different? And I've been really successful at that and cutting budgets. So whilst it does work for much larger businesses as well, I think when most people start out, their marketing budget is zero or close to. And therefore, my skill set fits really well with that. But I do work with much larger businesses as well but i do bring those skills to the party let's dig into some of the detail in the book um so chapter two which i particularly enjoyed is called believe in yourself um and so in that you're looking at things like failure imposter syndrome uh mindset mindset training why was it important for you to address this topic and so early on within the book as well I think it's essential that we all do believe in ourselves. And I know with you know with the free small and supercharged group and feedback I get from people, all these things are important. And we look at people and we think, oh, they're absolutely amazing. They've created this thing or they've done this. And then you speak to them and they just they're just full of the doubt and they just don't think it's good. And you know, they have one setback, they have someone say something negative, 
And it really impacts them and can then impact their ability to promote themselves, to make new connections, to join up with people. And it can be incredibly damaging to their brand, their business and and themselves personally. But we all do it and no one likes to fail. And there's a really big reframing piece there around how it's not failure, it's learning. And if you can accept that, it's mega. Um, Imposter syndrome. uh, I mean, so many people have got imposter syndrome in the book. um, I mentioned a few people like you know, Michelle Obama has got imposter syndrome. I think she's incredible. Yeah. I think she is just yeah, of course. an icon. <laughs> and you know, we we look at her and think, what do you mean? How? How could you have imposter syndrome? You are awesome. Yeah. And I just thought it was important to really say, you know, if you're feeling like this, you're not on your own at all. Most people have these doubts. They don't want to fail. And we do feel like an imposter when it's the first time we do something. But you, you aren't alone and it's perfectly normal to feel like this. What we don't, what you can't do, in my opinion, is you can't let it stop you. That That's the kind of key difference, really. So I thought it was important to get that out of the way as you move through the book and you're thinking, oh, I don't know how to do that. I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, you know, I've done this wrong. So refer to the second chapter and mm. it's fine. You're learning. You're yeah. doing new things. You're going to get these feelings. Yeah. And one of these things as well, isn't it, which I think, again, comes through almost the layering of the book as well, is is that this is a process, isn't it? And it, it's about experience. You try something, you learn from it. You try something else, you learn from it. You try something else, you learn from it. And you build and build and build gradually. Completely. It's it, And you know, I think social media is a great example of that as well. The whole time we are trying, testing, and then they decide to change something fundamental in how the platform works and we have to learn all over again. (laughs) And I think it's really important to have that attitude because then you can develop and grow and improve. Because something did did work, it doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to work in exactly the same way when new things get introduced or you're able to access different things. So I think it's such an important part of it all. There's quite understandably um, a lot of focus on online marketing. Um, but you do also address in print options, which again relates to your background as well with a lot of the work you've done. Um, and it's something that we haven't actually tackled in depth in this podcast yet. Um, but what is your advice to listeners in terms of accessing and getting their business mentioned in print media? I think one of the with the with the theme of this being free and cheap, mm. um, I think think about where you want to be featured. Do the research on the magazines where you want to be. There are some brilliant ones related to the rural space. Actually, I, I write for one and a few countryside magazine. Big fan yeah. of that. But there are lots of great magazines in this space. So do the research, buy them, look at them online, look at what features they run and how potentially you could fit in there. So do they have new products features? Do they have buyer's guides? Do they have interviews with people going behind the scenes? Because then that allows you to see the layout of that magazine and potentially where you could feature. You can then do some research on whether it's the editor you need to contact or who the features editor is for that section. And you can then reach out to those people, explain your story, but also explain that you understand the publication. Why are you a good fit for their publication? Because they're going to give you essentially free advertising. It'll be an editorial form, which arguably, I think, is an incredible way of getting your message out there. So tell them why you're a good fit. Tell them that you understand it. What features have you particularly enjoyed? Contact the right person. If you don't know who to contact, I generally would go for the editorial assistant if there is one and say, who is the right person for this feature? Because I'm struggling to find them. And, And don't be afraid to reach out. The worst thing they're going to say is no, if you're polite. You can always ask if you can be added to their 
press list and if you can add them to your press list as well. So if you've got something new and interesting to say, you can contact them. And more than that, if they're doing a feature, um, quite often with the press that I work with, they'll send out a features list or a we're working on Christmas gift guides. If you send 50 words and this, this and this, we'll, we'll consider you. So ask to be put onto their mailing lists as well. And you add them onto yours with their permission. And, you know, you've already formed a contact. And sometimes it's a no and that's okay. And sometimes it's a no for now, but it doesn't mean you can't approach them in the future. Maybe there's something really timely you can inject into the conversation as well, but you've got that contact and you can really build on that and do incredible things. Something that you are very good at and you've, you've built up over time is 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 networking, um, building your personal network. Um, so let's talk about relationship building. Um, and that's one thing, again, that comes through as a message again and again in the book. So what are your tips uh, when it comes to networking as a small rural business who perhaps might be either just starting out or or be very isolated and, and, and maybe not have uh, either the budget or the opportunities to uh, go to networking events. Um, to wh- Where do they start? Facebook groups are a really, really great place to start. I mean, the whole reason that, that my small and supercharged group came about was because I realised that people in the equestrian and rural space, often they are sole traders, self-employed, not yeah. all the time, but often, and they spend a lot of time in an isolated way. And that's kind of lovely most of the time. But if you've got a query, you know, if you're trying to find the best price for postage to some random location, or you're struggling with what kind of payment option to have on your website, or you're going to a show and you've no idea where to get something, you can waste hours, if not days on those projects. And then you're not sure you've got the right thing anyway. So having this community available where people share ideas, ask questions, um, and can you know and can network online essentially is a really good place to start. And fa- the Facebook groups are great. You're very welcome to the smaller supercharge one, but there are lots of others as well. LinkedIn's another great place, um, particularly if you're a business to business. Massive fan of LinkedIn. Brand. I love LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. It's a dark horse, but I like it, it a is. lot. And they, yeah, there are groups on LinkedIn as well. You can really connect with people and start those conversations. There's, so that there's two really easy what places to start. Um, I think being active on social media is a great place to start as well. You know, follow hashtags that are relevant to your business, your brand, and what you do, and seek out people that you think you can have a genuine connection with. Comment on their stuff, just genuine comments, um, and that's a really great way to introduce you know yourself to people essentially if they've put something amazing on their stories on instagram tell them if they've got you know a, an animal that you've got and you can relate to them just tell them it's really nice when someone reaches out in an authentic way and you share a moment online um so don't be afraid to do that i think you know it's, it's important that we sort of sell and we you know actively network but you don't have to be spammy about it you can send somebody a, a nice message about something that they're talking about. You don't have to then say, and I you need to buy this thing from me. So just don't be afraid to reach out and try and connect over like-minded things. It doesn't have to all be about business. Actually, there's a girl this morning who I sent a message to who was talking about some new boots that she'd got. And I've got these boots and I've had them for four years and they're awesome. And I went, they'll do all you want and more. They're amazing. I don't want anything from her. I'm, I just genuinely have got a point to say about the boots. So just start doing things like that. And when you can do a nice thing, so if you've got someone that you know and someone else is talking to you about this need that they've got for that person, 
introduce them, be the connector. I love doing that. I get the biggest buzz. That's such a good point. Absolutely. If you can help and it doesn't, you know, cause you great pain or hinder you personally, why why not do that? Yeah. And it's and then you can you do get a little buzz from when they have a successful collaboration or mm. they just get on, you know, I've got some clients in um in in mastermind who've been meeting up for coffee because they're in the that general, you know, area. Brilliant. Because nice. they've got two businesses with their, you know, they, they spend most time on their own. How great is it that those people get to have a good chat, meet up, put the world's problems right. I think it's brilliant. Uh, let's talk about online. Um, so from, from social media to content marketing and, and podcasts as well, you write a lot in the book about digital forms of marketing. Um, and it's perhaps an obvious question, but why is digital so accessible, I suppose, for, for small businesses? I think the entry point to get involved is so small. Um, anyone can have a website and a blog. Anyone can start a mailing list for free. Anyone can build a mailing list for free. It's so, so accessible. If we go, we flip back over to the world of, of print media and what it used to be like, you couldn't compete with the big boys when it came to the ad budgets they were spending online or on the television or on billboards. I think that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. You just couldn't compete with it if you're a small business. Whereas online you can and more than that you can win in some ways because as a small business you can inject more personality you can tell your story more you can grow that tribe and that community and do it in a bit of a different way but I just feel that with the cost of entry being nothing it's a brilliant brilliant way to get involved I mean bigger businesses should absolutely be utilizing all these tools too and growing their lists um, and you're know, doing those do that blogging look into the SEO side of things and, and really push that but I think because the cost of entry is nothing. We can all do it. We can upskill in the areas of digital marketing really, really easily. You know, obviously, expert level is quite something, we can, but we can all start. And I think that's brilliant. It all gives us that access to this incredible you know, online world. We've also already talked about networking, but but I suppose to take that one step further in terms of collaboration and looking for people to collaborate, looking for the right people to collaborate with, what's your advice on reaching out to others? Uh, in terms of collaboration? My first thing would be to do your research. So if there's anyone that I'm thinking of collaborating with, I will follow them, not in person. I will follow them online. I'm not stalking. I have <laughs> not got the time in my schedule for that. Um, I can assure you. But I do my work. I do the research. I follow them online. I read their blogs. I watch their vlogs. I you know, look at their YouTube. I look at their stories. Because if I'm going to align my brand with anyone's, I need to make sure it's a good fit. Yeah. If I'm essentially saying to my fans and followers, this person's great, I need to make sure they are. Yeah. And I would hope that anybody would do the same research on me if I suggested a collaboration. And I'm fine with that because mm. we need to make sure we would need to make sure that our brands would align and that there was that decent crossover with our target audiences to make a collaboration worthwhile for both parties and for the audiences as well. Because it's not just about you as the person, it's who you're introducing them to. So do your research, follow them engage with them just like a normal user um, and see what kind of feedback you get. Follower numbers are important in one way because you want to make sure that you are accessing new people, but also look at the engagement because the number alone isn't the whole story. Look yeah. at the engagement, look at the quality of the content, look into their values as well and whether they align with you. One example I've, I've given before is you know with things like hunting or shooting. Some people's brand is built on that, and that is a that is brilliant, good for them. 
some people's brand is absolutely dead against anything to do with anything like that. Even if those brands aligned on every other thing, because that key core value is so different, the people who are massively pro hunting and shooting are perhaps not going to be that interested in the brand that is actively anti it. So you've got to make sure that your values align well as well. And then it is a case of you know, doing the work, doing the following, starting to engage. And it's great nowadays you can engage in a really sort of low level way through Instagram stories by you know putting, oh, I love that. I love what you're doing. That's really cool. And starting that conversation going or emailing the right person saying, I've been following you. I'd reference things that you've liked and seen and, and see if there's the opportunity to work together and you know, be excited about that. Next question. Uh, if you had to pick one form of digital or print, I mean, this is a big question. Uh, if you yeah, if you had to pick one form of digital or print marketing um, for a business to try, first of all, the, the first go-to, what would it be? I'd say social media because it, it's definitely the first step. I think it is a part of a system and I wouldn't rely solely on social media because you don't own the platform. Um, but Social media is a way to help you promote yourself properly. Um, you, know, you, you do need to have a website. You do need to build a mailing list. You do need to do a lot of the things that I've talked about in the book. But people do run very successful businesses through social media alone. Personally, I think that's a slightly risky strategy because, you know, when Instagram has a blip or Facebook has a blip or if you do something or don't even do something nowadays and your account vanishes, you haven't got a business. So, I wouldn't ever rely on it solely, but as a place to start, I think social media, the cost to get started is zero. There are huge numbers of people on it. That's where I would start. I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you about the the small and supercharged Facebook group, first of all, uh, because it's been going quite a while now. And I'm sure that it's, it's definitely, if, if any of the listeners to this podcast aren't already involved in it, I'm sure they will be interested. Just, just give us a little bit more info about what it is, why you started it, when you started it, going back a bit and, uh, and, and, and what it involves. Yeah, I can't remember when I started it, which is a, a slight flaw, but it's got to be well, it's, four it's, or five it's, years It's in ago. the pre-COVID world, isn't it, which feels a lifetime oh, ago. Definitely pre-COVID. <laughs> yes. And it's um, well, I've got a couple of groups. I've got the free group, which I'll, I'll refer to here. And we've got sort of three, three point two, three point three thousand people in mm. there. Um, and it's just a really nice community of like-minded people from the rural or equestrian space um that share thoughts ideas questions it's very relaxed some people are definitely lurkers and that's absolutely fine <laughs> some people are very active that's also fine it's very chilled in there what's next for you what's what's coming next because again because you mean you're a very busy person and you're very <laughs> i just <laughs> you're feel very like engaged a lot of things but it's, it's yeah what, what's coming next the thing is, if I'm not busy, I just make myself busy and cause trouble. So <laughs> not like seems like you're busy. Not proper trouble. Um, well, I am quietly plotting another book. Um, I am speaking to a publisher about another book at the moment, which is exciting, but does feel slightly Herculean as well in in the size of the task. That would be about influencers, so that's exciting. I've got I've got some plans and, th- and schemes that some of them are very slow burners, but yeah. you know you never know. I'm always up to something. Um, I'm also working on some courses to help support people further. Kind of a, a fairly low uh, low level, not a low level course. That sounds rubbish, but 
you know, if you have one-to-one coaching, for example, it has got a price, t- a quite a sizable price yeah. tag on it, quite rightly. But courses, I think, are just one step up from books in terms of the, the financial commitment. But it does allow you to get more involved and, you know, show more examples. Yeah, stuff sort of evolves around me a bit. But I, yeah, I have got some, I have got some plans and schemes. All, 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 all good. And some will work and some won't. And that's just the way it is. I should say, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, we all try things, and uh, yeah, that's that's the journey we go on. And finally, a couple of other time has flown, but uh, I'm, I'm asking every single guest who comes on this question, and I will be fascinated to hear what you say to this. But this is just an opportunity to promote a rural business or a social media account, and you, you, you could mention a few if you'd like. Okay, well, I'm going to promote. Oh, I've got th- I've got three that just spring into. Oh no, I've okay. got more now. Okay, I'm going to just start. <laughs> So the first one is, um, no, I know who I'm going to do. Roof Chapel. So Dressage Anywhere, if, if you're anyone with a horse, really, and you yep. think, you know what, I'd like to really push myself a bit this year. Dressage Anywhere is a really, really cool business that allows people to enter dressage tests and ride practice tests at home. So you video your test, it gets judged by proper judges. You know, you go into classes. It's a really, really great platform. So Dressage Anywhere. Um, I'm also going to talk about Jane Badger Books. These are three people who really helped me with my book. I think that's fair. Um, Jane Badger Books, she is lovely and she's got a really cool collection of horse and pony nonfiction. Lovely lady. And last but not least, I could actually go on all day promoting people, but I feel like... Sure, I'm generally sure you could. I'd be in trouble. So the last person I'm going to promote, although I'm now looking and thinking I should definitely have mentioned others, but it's fine, (laughs) is Emily Cole. Emily Cole Illustrations. Um, Actually, I've got a unicorn above my head who, well, not not literally, a picture (laughs) on the wall. Um, I work with Emily and bless her heart. um, I've got had the cover of the book designed by a proper legit designer. And oh God, that was a mistake. And I had the words changed because I changed the words. And Emily, bless her, said, it's okay, I can do it. She's a whiz on anything like Photoshop or Illustrator. Okay. And then um then I sent it over and she went, you know, the spine's not in the middle. I said, What? <laughs> and she said, the spine's not in the middle of the book. And I, I was saying, What 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 do you mean? So she redid it all. And then that was, sorry, a- that was after going to a professional designer. Yeah, I hadn't even bodged this. So Emily fixed that for me and then had a a proof of the book come through and two of the elements that had been used. One element I hadn't supplied was horribly low res and like pixelated. And I was thinking this can't be good. And an image on the back wasn't right either. So on a Saturday, I mean, I don't know how they're still speaking to me, to be honest. I said to Emily, I said, it's awful. I don't know what to do. And she said, it's fine. I'll sort it. I'll sort it. I'm really oh, good. Wow. I'm really good on, on um, Photoshop. I'll sort it. She went into work on a Saturday evening and started ripping up bits of paper and photographing them. And that fo- that ripped piece at the top was photographed by Emily and put onto that piece, uh, onto the design. That's amazing. But she also does pictures. That's called cool. cool being really good at what you do. <laughs> it was incredible. I was like, oh, because I because I, she said, oh, I'll sort it. I'll sort it. Don't worry. And then I then I had a FaceTime call, and I thought, oh, hope she's all right. And I said, are you at work? And she went, it was just easier. She'd driven into work. I know 
She also does incredible, incredible fun cartoons. And she's just launched her 2023 calendar of horses doing incredibly relatable and okay. mind-blowingly stupid things, <laughs> um, which they all do. So they're, they're the three, but I could I could talk all day on this. Those are three fantastic, fantastic plugs. Um, oh my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. It's uh, it, it's always a, pl- it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Honestly, it's, yeah, it's, it's also a massive privilege to talk to you every single time you come on as well. So. Well, I'm incredibly honored to be asked. I'm always up for it. So thank you very much for having me. Oh, well, so listeners, the book is called Small and Supercharged, Small Steps to Supercharge Your Brand on a Budget. Um, Rhea, where can people buy it? Amazon. Just Amazon is fine. If you put in Small and Supercharged or my name, it'll appear. Perfect. Next time on Rural Business Focus, um, I'll be joined by Katie Bateman um, from the virtual conference Equine Show 24-7. And we'll be talking about virtual events, how COVID changed the way that we think about virtual events, and of course, specifically the Equine Show platform um, itself. And on our sister podcast uh, this week, Meet the Farmers, uh, I am joined by founder of Forces Farming. Really excited about that one, Jeremy Gibbs. Um, So please head over to uh, that podcast wherever you listen to this one. And if you could do one thing um, after listening to this episode, we are still a really new podcast, so I'd really appreciate this. Please rate and review it uh, wherever you're listening um, or post it on your social media and tag us at Rural Business Focus. But for now, I will leave you in the way that I leave you every episode. Try to do one thing this week that helps you progress and one thing that helps someone else. Keep focused and I will see you next time.